Welcome to episode 10 of the Digital Confidence and Decision Making Podcast. We're going to carry on with the book in this episode, looking at chapter 6, Discover. So obviously remember, we're now in the Be The Five methodology. We've done Discuss. We're now moving on to Discover, which is the second phase. So, crack on. What is Discover? You've now had as many conversations as you can. You have a good understanding of the issues and opportunities that staff and customers have fed back to you. You have discussed with your IT department about current technology, and now it is time to start looking at opportunities further afield. Discover is your opportunity to do some real-world research into solutions that you have unearthed during Discuss. Why Discover? The Discover stage is important as you are now building your knowledge of digital. You have that core understanding from Discuss and you're going to need to turn that into a digital strategy in Decide. This step lets you discover what some of those solutions might look like. It is about improving your knowledge based on your own findings, which will help you to approve the best possible strategy for your business. You want the best outcome for your business, so you will need to know what is available. Your IT team will help, but you are the leader that is going to hold this together. You are going to solve problems you have discussed with technology that you have discovered. If you do not understand what the art of the possible could be, then how will you know if the strategy being delivered is right for you? This element is a time-consuming exercise and is also one that you will need to return to time and time again as technology and business models advance. It is going to be a lifelong journey for you. And before we get into the Discover case study, obviously an element of this is you searching, uh, looking at new solutions, looking at the internet, Googling things, finding what's out there, what's what could work for you, what couldn't. And obviously you're going to relate this back to the conversations that you've previously had, so you're building on top of that. But obviously in Chapter 3, we went back to the tweet from, from Daniel Priestley saying, going into the 2020s, you want to get at least a basic knowledge of 5G, AI, quantum computers, sensors, IoT and blockchain. So again, we're talking really about you, your knowledge, your understanding. You have to get to grips with what these things are that we're talking about. And again, not necessarily how they work fundamentally. You don't need to know the technical aspects, but you just need to know what they are, what they could do for your business. And the only person that's really going to be able to tell you that is you. So this is where this lifelong learning journey comes in. There's a lot of work for you to do, a lot of understanding. Every time I find technology and solutions, three months down the line, you're looking at different solutions. It is difficult to keep up, even if you're in the industry. So if you don't take, if you are, sorry, if you take your foot off the gas at any point, you will find you're dropping behind further and further. Discover case study. One key element of Discover is looking at the systems that you already use. I made the decision to move a council from Microsoft Office to Google's G Suite. There were many underlying reasons for this, which I will not go into here. However, what I discovered was how attached to Microsoft Excel some people were. There are many people professing to be experts, but in reality, they can only do a handful of quite basic tasks. Excel itself is incredibly powerful, can handle incredible amounts of data and multiple complex equations and sums. Yet there you are thinking you're an expert because you can do a pivot table. But try taking Excel off someone and giving them a more basic and possibly free version and they will give you every excuse as to why they need to keep Excel. When you break down the tasks that were actually being completed on Excel, then there was no reason why 95% of the estate could not easily move to Google Sheets. Even I decided not to take on finance over that one. 
It was a battle though, it really was. You would have thought I was taking a child off some of them. If I'd put my arm across the top of their monitor, they would not even have known if it was Sheets or Excel. Adding columns and adding some colours to them is advanced. So having discovered that most people did not even use 5% of the Power Excel, I also discovered that they did not want to give it up for anything. Here is where we hit familiarity of systems rather than having the right systems for the right job. They like Excel because they're comfortable with it. They know where the buttons are to do the tasks they do. But are you paying for a premium for a Ferrari when you only need a Vauxhall? If you don't believe me, then grab a copy of the Dummies Guide to Excel and open it towards the back and start looking at the more complex tasks you can complete and then tell me who's an expert. There is an annual Excel competition that takes place with entrants from across the globe. These are the real experts. I had done my discovery on Excel and its use in the business. I had discovered alternatives that included an upgrade to Office 365, a number of free options as well as G Suite. I had decided that the best option for the council to deliver its long-term aims would be G Suite. It tied into our ecosystem better than anything else. This example is straightforward, as Excel is a tool virtually all of us use, will have used at some point. We've all probably only really dabbled with 2-5% to of its actual capabilities though. But you need to apply some of this thinking across the other systems you use. This is why we do discuss first, as you need to understand where your colleagues are at with their knowledge and how easy or hard making a move will be. And again, just on that, it's a, it's a very basic example and one that obviously I used in the book just because Excel is something everyone has used and moving between systems is, is fairly commonplace and there's a lot of difficulties that people come across in doing that. And as we've gone through the discuss phase and into this discover, looking at what solutions are, obviously you've, you're building up a bit of a knowledge about your staff now and what they like, what they don't like, what they can do and what they can't do. And so whether the move to a different system or not is going to be straightforward, it's going to be simple, how much time and effort you have to put into the training of it. And in a lot of cases, especially when you're dealing with uh, technical sort of projects or uh, technology projects, the actual change management element of it is huge compared to the actual technical change. Moving from one system to another is actually quite straightforward. There's tools that do it for you. But getting people to use those systems and understand them and what they can do for them is massive. And particularly for this council, it was part of the overall ecosystem of tools that we were looking at. So G Suite had a, an integration tool that worked with Salesforce, that worked with Box. So we knew out of the box, out of the box, slight pun, uh, we knew that it should all work together quite seamlessly. Now the council was also looking at things like Chromebooks instead of laptops cheaper devices without the, the worry about antivirus, BIOS passwords and various other bits that you need on laptops. So there was a whole model that sat behind it that, that was in place. And again, just making some of these moves were quite difficult for some. But it really was important to understand what they were using the tools for and how they were using them, to understand how little of them were actually being used, but yet we were still paying for them. Steps for Discover. Number one, discover what you currently offer. A simple exercise to start with here is to look at what software you already use. It always amazes me that leaders often do not know the size of their estate, the tools that are in use across it, and for what reason they are used. Larger companies will often find that they have multiple systems designed to do the exact same task used by different departments. By stating that their software does one or two things differently to other comparative software, 
they have convinced procurement to buy them a shinier version of an old product already in use. What you will also discover is that there is software, often expensive, that is only used for a small element of what it can do, as it's not been used efficiently. As mentioned in Discuss, you may need to bring reps or consultants in to review some of your systems. The most efficient thing you can do is make the most of the tools you already have, and this could possibly mean that you can remove other tools from your estate. Even with Excel, there are cheaper and even free alternatives, but do not just use price as the limiting factor. It is about your staff and how well they can do their jobs with the tools you give them. You may also discover tools being used by staff that are not corporately approved tools. Shadow IT, as it is known, can be frowned upon in a lot of companies, but it provides you with some useful information that shows you where your staff are struggling with the tools you have provided and what they are doing with their shadow tools. Use this as an opportunity to learn, not to block tools. Shadow IT is the use of digital tools that have not been provided by your IT team. Often you will find staff that have apps on their phones that they use for note-taking or for completing tasks, but this can take many forms. A lot of businesses try to ban this completely and lock down systems so that staff cannot use them. I've seen businesses issue iPhones to staff and then remove all the features and benefits of giving them an iPhone. It makes no sense to do this. The only reason staff are using Shadow IT is because they struggle with the tools you have given them or have found a more efficient way of doing things. You should be embracing this knowledge and sharing it. Ensure that IT can then evaluate the tools and as long as there are no glaring security issues, allow them to be used. This is not a case of the computer says no, this is the computer says yes unless there is a real issue. It is much easier to ban a tool than it is to do the necessary homework to discover how it is used and for what purposes. Discover which systems you already have, how they are used and the skills that you need to develop and support them. And part of that again is looking at a lot of times you see people using applications as their main application and then you talk to them and you go okay so how do you use this and they go oh well I put that all into a spreadsheet and suddenly all of that data that should be in the application is sat separately in a spreadsheet is not used for reporting or for uh, kind of delivering their work role. So again, think about how not just the main tools are used, but are they actually having to add tools in and around it because the, the key tool or the core tool doesn't have the functionality they require and find out why, why they have to do that. Number two, discover what data you have in need. The next thing to discover is data. Data is going to be the lifeblood of your company going forwards. It is more important than the software in many ways. To give you an easy analogy, we'll start thinking about wine. Maybe now is the right time to pour yourself a glass. Chances are you've chosen a nice wine glass to pour your wine into. If you did not have a wine glass, then maybe you've used a cup or a mug, or if you're really desperate, a jam jar. The truth is the vessel that the wine sits in is less important than the wine itself. The vessel can have an effect. It may make the wine seem nicer. It may give it more air but ultimately the real taste comes down to the wine itself. When you start to discover your data, keep this analogy in mind. You'll see lots of flashy software with all sorts of bells and whistles added. What is important though, is what data does it collect or hold and what does it then allow you to do with the data? What information is it giving you? Does it help you keep the data clean or is it going to cork your wine? Start with the data and what you need to achieve with it and from there you can start to discover what software is available. And again, just quickly on that, obviously the data is the wine, 
So it's the data, the wine, the important thing, the vessel or the software that holds it, less important, still plays a role, but it's less important than, than the wine or the data. The second data perspective to think about is then what data you already hold, why you hold it, and what you can do with it using your current systems. What could you do better? Can you reuse the data? Can you keep it in use? Or is it lost after being processed? Is there any data that you're missing that could enrich your current data? How do you think you could collect extra data? Go back to some of the discussions you've had with staff and customers. Could any of their frustrations be fixed by having better data? Knowing your customers in detail is going to allow you to serve them better and with a more personalised service than you currently can. I recently undertook a small survey with business owners on social listening. It was a simple survey of who uses it with a straight yes-no and never heard of it as the answers. Despite being around for several years, the results were that approximately 65% had never heard of it. 30% had heard of it but did not use it and only 5% were using it. If you've heard of it and decided it adds no value to your business to collect the data, then that's fine. But for 65% of business owners to not even be aware that it's, it's a thing is appalling. It suggests a lack of understanding of digital and a lack of conversations with people who do. It even shows a lack of having someone that you can rely on to proactively come to you with suggestions for how it could help. And before you ask, if you're in the 65%, then no, I'm not going to tell you what it is either. Go and discover it for yourselves and the data it can give you. And again, remember, when we're talking about data, we're talking about the information that data gives us. So we're collecting the data to turn it into information that is valuable to your system. And obviously someone will pop up and shout at this point, what about GDPR? Absolutely, you have to remember that there are rules around the data you can hold, what you can do with it and how you collect it. And again, if you're unsure as what you can do with it, then obviously do ask. There are professionals out there that can give you advice on that. Number three, discover the wider market. We've looked at what software you already have and how you're using it. We've looked at what data you hold and how you could use it better. Now we're going to look a bit wider and discover what is happening both in your sector and in other sectors. You do not necessarily need to copy anyone, but you do need to be aware of what is happening outside of your business. Two companies that failed to do this properly were Blockbuster and Kodak. Both companies had failed to see the speed at which their industry had started moving in a different direction and were then too slow to react when other companies were rapidly growing into their sectors. Although most leaders will be looking at other companies on a regular basis, how often is this done from a digital perspective? Looking at how they are serving their customers or becoming more efficient in what they do. Most of us use digital tools in our lives on an everyday basis. How often do you stop to think about the ones you use? What benefits do they give you as a customer? What benefits do you think the company that provides them gets? What frustrates you about them? What do you genuinely like? Do you have a list of these? If not, you can start now and create one. Keep it somewhere safe until we get to the next stage. Each time you use a service, make a note of what you like or did not like, how you felt as a customer and how valued you were. Are you likely to go back to use the same service again? Or did it frustrate you? Did it take too long to buy something? Did you receive a follow-up to, to your complaint or comment? Keep track of these and compare the experience to how your customers feel. What did you discover from them during the discuss stage? Consider your industry sector, but also those of other sectors that you use. You'll be using this information in the next stage, so do as much research as possible into the market. 
Should a competitor come along and completely change the industry, then you're going to need to be flexible enough in systems and processes to adapt to meet the challenge. Maybe through looking at how you can deliver services more efficiently, you'll be the next Netflix, even if on a smaller scale, that does transform your industry. Constantly be thinking and challenge yourself on how this could help you deliver your services more efficiently. And again, throughout most of my career, I've always looked at kind of what's going on elsewhere. We looked at the airplane industry previously within this, looked at the banking sector, you look at the hotel sector, things like booking.com, you can look at comparison websites. Things are constantly changing, evolving. Even today, you look at cars. Now, back in the day, Auto Trader came out as a paper magazine. You bought it once a week, you went through the listings. That went online, everyone shopped through Auto Trader. Garages started putting all their vehicles on it. And now we've got the new breed of things like Cinch and Kazoo and various other car companies offering a slightly different service based on obviously digital and, and websites and platforms. So although you think something's changed and been disrupted, it is a continuous process and it keeps changing. And it's not necessarily that you will follow that, but you can kind of take some of these ideas and think, okay, my industry is over here. What's going to happen? What is everyone else thinking? Where's it going? And similarly, like kind of what I spoke about with Netflix and even with Cinch and these other guys, it's about how efficient a service it is for you as the, the end user, the, the customer. So Cinch makes it very easy. They deliver the car to you. They offer packages on top that do all your servicing and they really take care of it. For you as a buyer, it's a very efficient process. Netflix, we've already spoken about, more efficient than Blockbuster that wanted to keep the stores because of their late fees. Kodak invented the digital camera, didn't think it was going anywhere. Their main business was the paper and the services around it. And again, missed a massive opportunity within that market. And it, it really is something that you just need to keep an eye on. Look at Nokia from the phone side. They're, they're still going, they're still doing stuff, but they didn't really see Apple with the iPhone and everyone else sneak up on them. And yet when I was in my 20s, Nokias were basically the, the de facto phone. Everyone had one. You're excited when the next model came out, everybody upgraded to it. And think how just how far phones are from that, it, even in the last sort of decade. They've, they've come a million miles away from where they were. Number four, discover the software you need. From here, we can start looking at software and software providers. It is useful to spend time really doing some research here. I see lots of companies that have systems that have been recommended to them by a friend as it works for their business even if their business is completely different. With over 1,500 different solutions just for marketing out there, going on the system your friend uses might be completely the wrong solution for you. Similarly, with CRMs, there are hundreds out there. As I mentioned above, look at these systems from the perspective of what value they will add to the data that you hold or collect. Do not be impressed by how shiny and flashy they've made it look. Underneath that flashy exterior is just a collection of tables that hold data and place it in the right position on screen. Look at the system that treats your data best, not the one that looks the wizziest. As part of this, it's also crucial to look at product ecosystems. I'm a big fan of salesforce.com. They have some incredible products available that work well and can allow you to perform all sorts of tasks. What impresses me most though, is the ecosystem of compatible tools that are designed to work with Salesforce. Salesforce have their own online app store called the App Exchange where you can find a tool for practically anything that you can think of. The majority are from third-party companies, but they're all designed to work seamlessly with the Salesforce products. 
This offers you a huge benefit by not requiring the complex process of trying to get two systems from two providers to pass data between each other. Although it may not be the solution for you, although it may not be the solution for you, you do ultimately pay a price for this ecosystem. When looking at software, think about the whole ecosystem of complementary products available. It's a useful piece of research to do by looking at the product set one company offers, which includes a CRM for both service and sales, a marketing product suite, and a business intelligence product. They have inbuilt artificial intelligence, plus they give developers the tools to build products on their platform. It really is the best ecosystem that you will come across, and the partnerships they have are second to none. Use them as the benchmark for any alternative solutions that you look at. In a similar vein, Microsoft used to be a solution that was focused very much on themselves. It was Microsoft or a competitor. Since Satya Nadella took over as CEO, there's been a concerted shift to Microsoft and a competitor. Make sure their systems can be part of a wider ecosystem and not just Microsoft or Bust. You need to be asking yourself whether you just want a standalone system or whether you want one where sales are linked to service and service to finance and finance to business intelligence. Or would you like to have to download information and upload to the next system? Or have someone build you a process that moves data overnight so that you're always a day behind? No, you do not. As I mentioned in the previous section, ecosystems are something you need to be thinking about. By having a software ecosystem, you can look to change your business to also have a staff ecosystem and focus on product teams, not service teams. We will cover this aspect later in the book. And just on that piece then, we, we talk about very much within the company about the acronym ICE. And for me, that's an integrated cloud ecosystem. So cloud very much something I'm, I'm very pro. I talk a lot about cloud computing, cloud software. For me, it just makes life much, much simpler, especially smaller businesses or uh, local government that don't have big IT departments. Cloud takes away half of your hassles. Ecosystem is what sits around that core bit of software. So for example, a cathedral I'm working with at the moment, they have just bought a new CRM system. And on top of that, there's a gift aid module they can use. There's a module for just giving, there's for Facebook giving. Uh, it works with Go Cardless, online direct debits. It works with payment engines. It automates into zero finance system. And all of this is pre-built, designed to work with it, will upgrade at the same time. So you don't have to worry about these expensive integrations. Now the I of ICE is integration, because again, you may still want systems to be integrated that aren't, and they may have to talk to, to each other. But it's also about departments being integrated and you might want departments to be able to talk to each other and to share data. So it's about being integrated kind of at the right level and with the right teams and the right information. It doesn't have to be kind of all or bust. It can be almost just like a ping of an email between two systems. It can be a very small update, but you do have to think about that flow of, is it information I'm integrating from the sales team because they've done such a great job collecting all this information on the person is that information then going all the way through to the service department because that's who's ultimately now handling it? Or does it just die as soon as it gets past sales? They have their own CRM, that information dies, the customer success or the service team are pretty much picking up from scratch. And you just need to think about how that flow happens of data throughout your organization. So the summary of this section then. During this step, you should have been able to match a lot of what you found in Discuss to what you found in Discover. 
You should have discovered a lot of new options available to you. New technologies, new ideas you'd never heard of, and new models of IT. There is absolutely no shame in sitting on Google and looking at companies and suppliers and seeing what they offer. You may need to clarify points from discuss as you've now looked at solutions in the wider market. Now in your notes, you can overlay the discover information against the discuss information and start to formulate a plan of where you need to be heading as a business and therefore what your digital strategy needs to be. These two stages were key to aligning your digital strategy with your business strategy. It may have even changed some of your views on the business strategy too. It is about opening yourself up to the world of digital and embracing it as something to benefit from, not to fear. Never stop discovering. Everything we're talking about when we get on to the next stage, which is the strategy, is helping you go from a position of basically approving a strategy that your IT department have written and gone, this is what we think is right for the business. You might historically have just signed that off. But what we're now talking about is you actually having that knowledge to look at that strategy and go, okay, I don't see how that works for this department. I don't see how this provides me with this. I've spoken to a number of people. They've told me their issues are over here. How are we dealing with that? And that's where this whole kind of fluffiness within digital strategies, again, within local government, because they're the ones that are generally published, where it's just keyword bouncing and buzzword bingo that's played, that it makes no sense to have it as a strategy because you're not saying, look at what I've done, look at the conversations I've had. These are the problems we're trying to address. In fact, most local government IT departments won't even talk to anyone when they're writing the strategy. They'll go off and say, this is what we want to do as IT. This is the new technology that's coming. AI is coming, chatbots are coming. Uh, We'll do some cloud, we'll do some digital skills. It's meaningless because it's just words. It's not coming from, we're doing X because we have spoken to this department. They need to achieve this. This is what's going in the strategy. And it's through having those conversations and doing the discovery that you get the right information that you can take forward into the decide phase, which is obviously when we do look at what that strategy needs to look at, what needs to be in it. So, as I mentioned, absolutely no shame in sitting on Google. million times I've sat in meetings and Googled stuff on my phone while people are talking. Even if I've not understood an acronym someone's used, I look it up myself. And I think sometimes there's that shyness of people to actually put their hand up and say, I don't understand, I don't get what you mean. Please don't be like that because the whole industry, as I've said before many, many times, whole industry is full of bullshit merchants and half of them don't know what they're talking about anyway. So put your hand up, ask the questions, get them to explain it to you very, very slowly, very succinctly. And only then you can really get that knowledge to then look at that strategy, look at that plan and go, okay, this is right for our business and we're happy to proceed and your staff will be happier because they will know they've been listened to, spoken to, and you're there to help them as a department, not to just run what IT think is right for you. So with that, we will stop. We will move on to the next chapter, chapter seven next time, and we'll go on to decide, which for me is possibly the most exciting chapter within it. I love strategy, I love digital strategy. I can talk about it for hours. I'll keep it to half an hour, like all of these, but please do join me next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you.